Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. We know that this year, the heart of this year is that we believe that God wants to take territory from the enemy and do it through synergy. He wants to do it through us doing something together, not on our own in the woods getting the trees saved. Right? They're already, they're already holy. They've already been set apart. They were created by the creator of the universe. We're not worried about the trees needing salvation. It's souls that need saving. And so we know that it is going to be by taking territory through synergy that if we can get this in our hearts, this is where we will see God do dynamic and powerful things all throughout this community. I believe God is very interested in a radical transformation. Now, I believe faith is rising. God's going to do more miracles. He's going to do the impossible. I just am going to change microphones because this was a singing microphone. It has extra reverb on it, which is driving me nuts. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. See, that's one of the problems of being musical. You hear things nobody else does. Okay. All right. Faith is rising. God is going to do the impossible. God wants to set people free. He wants to see tormented and oppressed people set free. And we know that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is to live the character of Christ in the earth. Okay? The fruit, we're going to talk about having a spiritful culture. And you must understand, if you're going to have a spiritful culture, you need to understand the fruit of the Spirit speaks to your character. You guys hear me? You might not have thought about it that way before, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control are all marks of godly character. But the Spirit does more than produce character. We praise God that it is the Spirit that produces character. But the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Your Holy Spirit will help with your Teach you how to live out that character, how to live out your calling. The Holy Spirit will teach you, and and he might use people along the way to help you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that we have mentors, we have disciples, we got people in our lives that are willing to call us up into the calling and destiny that God has on our lives. I'm so grateful for that. Right? But then we also have the Holy Spirit who is our comforter. Now, Sometimes, like I said earlier, God wants us uncomfortable so that we can find our peace only in him. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces. And we can go down the list, whether that's in 2 Peter 1 or in James 1 or the different places where it's just outlines like, here's all the potential awful. But God gives you peace in the storm. Why? Why? Because he's there. 
He's present, and the Holy Spirit becomes our comforter and our peace. Now, the other thing that the Holy Spirit does is he gives us gifts, and he empowers us. The Holy Spirit has gifts that he pours out onto the believers. Now, I am of a firm, I'm a very firm believer that all gifts are for all believers. You know what's amazing to me? is that when it says that, that these gifts are for all and in all, you go, well, maybe just for some, because he says some later on. He said, listen, it is for all. Now, you might have some that come really naturally to you, that you just flow in easy, right? You've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're like, I see visions. You might have the Spirit come upon you, and you might be like, I have faith that moves mountains. Some of you, and I'm praying to the Lord that I find the one who, when the Spirit of God comes on them, they're like, I want to administrate something. <laughs> like that gift of, come on, Jesus. Give me the gift of administration. Bring them now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But the reality, the reality is that some of us might have a natural gift that when the Spirit comes on us, it's highlighted and it's kind of made bigger. But really, all of the gifts are not for our woo-woo. They're not for us to feel better about our moment, not for our encounter. They're actually to empower us to be witnesses. It empowers us to love one another well. It empowers us to be able to be an encounter for others. Now, Jesus said that if you're thirsty, come and drink. So are you thirsty for more? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry for God? Are you desperate to live in his presence? See, John 37 through 39 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, say heart. heart. Now, in, now, the concept of the Hebrew heart is your soul. It's like an all-encompassing thing. It's not like my thumper. No. Now, out of your heart, out of your mind, out of your will, out of your emotions, out of the fullness of who you are, will flow rivers of living water. Whoo. And of course, to give context, the Apostle John says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When was Jesus glorified? Do we know when he was glorified? Do you guys know when Jesus was glorified? I'm going to give you some context, because we've got to understand this. When was Jesus glorified? No. When he ascended and he sat at the, he was glorified when he sat at the right hand of the father. Isn't that cool? Where he went from, you're no longer going to be dealing in this human plane anymore, Jesus. I'm glorifying you. I'm putting you back up into heaven. I don't know. So. One of the realities that we have to look at is that Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven, right? After the resurrection, 
that he was sending the promise of the Father. Right? And we see this in Acts 1.8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Say witnesses. witnesses. To me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, at the, end of, at the end of John, in John chapter 20, verse 19, we see that Jesus is having a conversation with disciples after he's risen from the dead, and he goes, breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So they receive the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20. They receive the Holy Spirit, and he says, now go wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Two separate things. So they were saved. The Holy Spirit's in them, working in them. And then there is this other thing that he says, wait for power. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise of my Father in Jerusalem. Wait. So then we see that in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit was poured out on the disciples who waited in the upper room. They waited. They were steadfastly seeking God. They were in the Word. They were in prayer. And then the Spirit came. And what I want to point to is that unity opens the door for an outpouring. Unity opens the door for an outpouring. Oh, the bottom got cut off. All right. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. One accord. One accord. Guess what they had? They were all together and they had what? Synergy. They were of one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Peter clearly states that this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for all who would come after them. We, I, I, I firmly, I can't find the scripture. I just can't. I've tried to find the scripture that says that the Holy Spirit will stop in the third century. That, that the gifts will stop when the Bible's finished. And, and it's really intense circular reasoning that you have to do to declare that, that in 2 Corinthians, when it says that which is perfect, well, I see like in 2 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, where it says that when I spoke as a child, right, I acted like a child, but when that which is perfect has come, right, because if there's then I'll be complete because then if there's knowledge, it'll cease. If there's prophecies, it'll cease. If there's tongues, it'll cease. So basically tongues have ceased and prophecy have ceased because we have the Bible now, which we declare now that instead of that which is perfect to be Jesus, to now be the Bible. Ooh. I want to say so much, but I'm going to withhold it. Because I'll just say this, it's a form of idolatry. Because we put something above Jesus. Now, it's the Bible inerrant, infallible, it's perfect. Yes, absolutely. I 100% believe that. I believe that in the Bible is every single answer that you need for any situation. Amen. Everything is there. It is God's gift to us. 
preserved word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there is only one word of God that is God, and it, his name is Jesus. Now, okay. That was a nice little sidetrack. Giddy up. All right. <clears throat> So the Holy Spirit's for today. Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call only till the third century. I mean, it, 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 as many as our Lord God will call. As many. There's no stopping this verse. There's no, like, there's a limit to when the Holy Spirit will stop being poured out. There's no scripture that says that anywhere. None. To be very clear, there is not a scripture that says that. What's beautiful about this is that that means that you sitting here today, as many as the Lord will call, our God will call, is you. See, you get to be part of the first sermon ever preached. He was talking about you because you're afar off, <laughs> a couple thousand years afar off. Say, I'm afar off. I'm afar off. Right? Hallelujah. I'm a Gentile. I'm afar off. So. I believe we need to ask Jesus for the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus actually spoke to this very clearly in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, he will, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil... Compared to God, you're evil. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, now let, me just, let me just make one point here. Jesus teaches his disciples to ask for the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus need to teach his disciples to ask for the Holy Spirit if it just came to them in John 20? He breathed on them and they got the Holy Spirit. Like, what? why would he? Why is Jesus saying, saying, look, you got to ask for the Holy Spirit? It's because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means the immersion, the full, full indwelling of the Holy Spirit, on you, in you, through you, is different than the baptism than the Holy Spirit coming in you at salvation. They're two different encounters. One is the insurance of salvation. You know that you're saved. I know that I know that I know that I know God because the Spirit is in me and we're working it, right? I'm, I'm having a conversation with the Spirit, but that is different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually teaches his disciples that they are to ask for it. Now, 
The Lord is faithful to give, and it is the responsibility of those seeking to ask. I've had, well, I'm of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it must not be real because he just never hit me over the head with it one day. No, we, we seek, ask, knock. Do you remember Luke 11? He's like, hey, go, go after that. Seek it, right? Receiving the Holy Spirit baptism, it's a gift. You can't exercise a formula to earn it, right? It cannot be earned or secured outside of the exercise of faith. Receive the gift of your spiritual language, right? And this is God's promised gift. What's really interesting about um, this with the spiritual language piece is that I just see over and over throughout the New Testament that there was only one way that they determined whether or not somebody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the only thing that they tested was if they spoke in tongues or not. And that was it. That's the only model that we have from Acts and also from the writings of Paul. Jesus promised that those who followed him would speak in new tongues in Mark 16, 17 as well. So, again, I just want to come back to this place. Are you thirsty for more? Are you hungry for God? Are you desperate to live in his presence? See, we believe that here... At Harvest, and I think healthy Christians are to be a place where healing, discipleship, and transformation happens. We believe that our culture must be marked by the Holy Spirit. Some people go, wow, I just experienced so much love here. I've been to so many different churches, and they're like, you know, people tell me that they've been to a lot of different churches, and they walk in here, and they're like, oh my gosh, I felt loved. Well, that's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit but we actually put an emphasis on making sure that the Holy Spirit has precedent in our services, has precedent when we gather, when we worship, when we do it. It's all about our encounter with God. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the Father is sitting on the left hand of Jesus. And they're up there. They're sitting up. You guys get it? They're sitting up there. Right? And who is, the, who is the agent of God that we're here to encounter right here, right now, who is sent to us in order for us to encounter? It is the Holy Spirit. God himself, the Holy Spirit. Not just a woo-woo spirit. I like the term woo-woo. I've been using it a lot lately. But the, so it's the Holy Spirit God. Not just like a weak, diluted version of God. Because I would have a very different encounter if it was God the Father versus... No, he's still God. In all of his authority, in all the majesty, in all the power, he's God. The Holy Spirit is God. We're not to be flippant with God. So, what is a Holy Spirit-filled culture marked by? Fruit, godly character. Listen... The gifts without character equals chaos. The gifts without character leads to ruin and despair. I have so many people like, I'm really gifted and I want to use my gift. I said, prove me your character. Can you take a no? Because that's a huge part of humility and the ability to hear no says a lot about our character or any feedback for that matter. Yeah. 
Ooh, hallelujah. All right, another mark of spirit-filled culture is presence. This is his glory being revealed in you and in gatherings. When we come together, we have his presence is here, and his glory is being revealed. There is unity. Unity doesn't come by everybody doing their own thing. Unity comes by being having some synergy coming together in submission. Who are we in submission to? The one. The one, we're in submission to Jesus. And you know what's amazing is that I don't know why God decided to do this, but he said, I'm going to let authority flow down and I'm going to give authority to some people and they're going to give it to some people and they're going to give it to some people and they're going to give it to some people. And it just has kept the authority of God has been passed down generation to generation to generation by people laying hands, placing authority and people learning how to honor authority. Listen, you want unity? Submit to the will of God. Synergy is found in submission. I've preached a bunch on that, but not today. Prophecy is another fruit, mark of a spirit-filled church in a spirit-filled culture. What does prophecy say? It says that we see beyond the natural by faith. Sometimes this is like some of what we would call prophetic gifts, like words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of, of, of understanding, even un, like seeing visions, all that kind of stuff. If the Spirit is moving, the Spirit is speaking to you, and He will be speaking to you in, in His own language, not yours. Amen. See, the Spirit of God is going to speak in His language of the Spirit, and you might not be in English. He's going to speak to you in visions and dreams, and he's going to give you things that you didn't even know that you had. How many of you have ever walked in a room and suddenly you knew something that was from the Lord that you never knew before? I, I can't count how many times that's happened. I think for so many of us, pay attention. Can I just encourage you? Pay attention. When you walk into a room and you sense something, say, Lord, what is that? Begin to discover that language of the Holy Spirit. Because then, what, what is prophecy? This means that I'm hearing God and I begin to speak forth out. I speak forth the words of the Lord. What the Lord has shown me. What the Lord is doing in me. What the Lord is saying. I prophesied over Ian in a prayer. Because God gave me a word of knowledge that this man was faithful in what he did. And he loved to serve people. That was divine. That was, I, I've never met this guy. I just said, Lord, what are you saying about Ian? And he told me what he's thinking about Ian. So when I prayed, I said, God, I thank you that Ian is faithful and that he loves serving people. It was, it was, so God actually wants you to hear so that you can speak into the lives of others. Okay, now we test all the words, amen? We're not willy-nilly with prophecy here. It aligns with the word of God, and we let people judge it. If you won't let somebody judge it, you're already out of order. Okay, miracles. A, a Spirit-filled culture is marked by miracles. So this is the outline for the uh, sermon series that I'm going to be doing. We're going to spend a week on each of these. Okay, so miracles is divine intervention. This is God stepping in to the natural realm in order to break forth something supernatural. He does miracles, Amen. healings. This is divine alignments. 
right? Divine alignments. It's like, man, everything's crooked. Everything's off. I'm in pain. I've got this wrong. And God says, nope, you're now you're in perfect alignment with me again. And, and, and he does it in the natural. He'll do it in the emotional realm. He'll do it in all different kinds of ways. He grew Jim's leg out. No, really. Really, right here. No, you were sitting in the back, Jim. You were sitting in the back, right? So we prayed for him for some other things. And then he went, sat down, and he's like, all of a sudden, he realized that my leg grew out. God just threw it on top of the other healing that he got. I cannot... I, I, I just, I can't tell enough stories. God is too good. I've seen him do too many crazy miracles, too many crazy healings. Now, deliverance is a mark of a spirit-filled culture. Demons don't get to stick around. A demonic oppression does not get to stick around when people come into a spirit-filled culture. What does that look like? Well, it might look like there's been some area of your life where you've given the enemy or the enemy took access into your life, maybe when you were young, maybe when you were little, and, and maybe it was through your own sin or maybe it was something that was up your generation. You know what? We're going to find that bad boy that is keeping you bound and oppressed. We're going to find the area that you feel like, I just can never beat that sin. I can never get over it. I can't figure out why is it that every time I run hard, I get yanked backwards. Why is it that my life is two steps forward and three steps back? That means the devil is trying to keep you out of your destiny. We're going to find that demon, whatever it is that's bugging you. I'm not saying that you're filled with a demon. I'm saying that there is some type of bondage that the enemy is using to keep you out of your destiny. With that, we get rid of it. And it's really powerful when people don't know Jesus and they hear the gospel and the demon manifests to see that demon go, to just cast that demon out and watch Somebody's countenance change. Watch them give their lives to Jesus to never be the same again, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit-filled culture. Lastly, we see a lot of salvations. Why, why? Why are you empowered? To be witnesses. To be witnesses. Amen? Amen. So in Acts, I'm going to ask... Um, Dennis and Colleen, I'll have John and Lois, and I'll have um, a couple people come up. Uh, let's see who else. Yeah, Anna Lee, Charlene, you guys make a great team. A few guys will come up here. Um, these guys are, are elders and leaders and, and people that we just trust implicitly here. In Acts 8, there's revi a revival breaks out in Samaria. Um, Philip is is on a uh, evangelism tour and he moves into Samaria and people are getting saved. I just feel the presence of the Lord so strong right now. I can't even talk. I'm so grateful. So grateful. So people are getting saved. They're getting healed. They're getting delivered from demons. And then the the apostolic leaders in Jerusalem hear about it, and Peter and John go to Samaria. Whew. They go, 
It says this, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is so interesting. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Many of us have come to faith in Jesus. We were baptized in his name. But the early apostles didn't think that was enough. They didn't think that was enough. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. If you're hungry, come. If you want to be renewed, refreshed in the Holy Spirit, come. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, come. Our leaders are here to pray with you to be filled and to be renewed with the Holy Spirit because we are here to be a Spirit-filled culture. We're here to be a place where the Spirit moves freely and you get to operate in power. If you're comfortable, get uncomfortable. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. So the altar is open. I just ask any of you who are interested in receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you need refreshing from the Holy Spirit, come receive. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.